0: I want to say thank you to our Kids World volunteers, those folks that keep that thing going. We always need more. You can see Miss Carrie about that. She is directing that ministry, but it's so important. And the kids have a fantastic time there. We will be prepping here in about a month towards a Christmas program with our kids. It'll probably happen uh, December 16th, a musical program, and we'll put some of this stuff to use for them, and that'll be fun. I want to share some scripture with you this morning, but before we get there, uh, let me backtrack just a little bit to this project. And uh, as I said, um, I know Nate's here. And uh, in the initial stages of building this stage out, uh, Nate, and Lloyd, and John, and uh, Heather and several other people uh, spent so much time. uh, And believe it or not, so if we see this picture here, Oops, this one, which kind of shows the understructure. And then if we go back to that taking the carpet up picture, all right? No, See, that's that stuff we're talking about right there. We're going to get more of that, but we're going to replace that system shortly. To this. was two weeks. That was a gargantuan undertaking. Uh, hours and hours and hours of work uh, that those guys did. And uh, none of them got paid for anything. It was just their effort to do that. And so this was just before uh, church started uh, that uh, morning that we did this. I think it was the second week of November uh, that happened. we did this. And here's what we did. We had the church service. Uh, We didn't have anything up here on the stage because they hadn't been painted yet. We weren't quite ready. We weren't quite finished. But we invited everyone that was here to come up here on the stage as part of the service when Sharpie's laid out, and we asked them to write blessings for what this could be in the future. What could this do in the future? And so, underneath all of this pain here are the thoughts, the prayers, the words of many of you, uh, some who have uh, left us, God's moved on to other things, uh, but they're under you. And... You, because you're not up here all the time, might, might not think about it often. I think about it all the time, that, that those words are under here. And I'm, I'm not amazed, I guess. That would be a bad thing to say because I have so much faith in you. But I'm always just heartened when we do something like this to see the thoughtfulness that you're willing to put into things like this. And so uh, there's, here's a couple of pictures of the day that that happened. I hope. Try again. Oh, well, we are stuck. Can I go back? Mm-hmm. You guys know I have a love hate thing with technology, right? Mm-hmm. And I bet you identify with that. Uh, let's see. And now I can't even see my preview images. We may just skip this part, but I don't want to. I really don't. A couple of nice. I guess that's right. Okay. So here, you know, this is during the service. We just have people doing their thing. And a few different people, and I think that's actually a black image, right? Mm-hmm. By the way, we're also changing our program that does this business. Can you imagine why? All right. I'm just going to read some of these. If I can. Can you go? Yeah, I think there's something, something going on back there. Hey, what is that one? Hey, I pray that others may be um, saved, may be saved on this stage as my brother and I were. Wow, that's amazing, right? <laughs> See if you can get twenty-eight. All right, I think I can see this one. I mean, I have some here from Jessica and Sam and Debbie, and Dougie. Dougie wrote up here, and we said something along the lines of... uh, May many people come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the resources we're using. This one says, uh, "Lord Jesus, be center stage always." I like that. That's what it looked like first Sunday. Then we had to bring the piano up and all that stuff. And we got set up and off we went. And that's all great. Look, it's exciting to me. I don't know if it's exciting to you. It may not be exciting to you. Um, but it's, it's kind of what we're doing. And the other people have bought into it. And other people have come alongside us. And that's good. But it's not so that we can have cool shows in this building. It's not so that we can have cool lighting for worship. I mean, we can do that. But that's not why. Right? It's not so that um, uh, we can look at Church X down the street and say, oh, we've got better stuff. Right? And when we when we do these kinds of things, there are underlying choices that we make that I think reflect the values that we have underneath. So for instance, the sound gear that we have back here, we're gonna Place a bunch of that, because somebody came along and said, I know you have a problem, let me help you solve that problem, because otherwise we would never have the resources to solve that problem financially. But then when we decide to do it, we construct it in such a way that if you go to most locations and they have a sound system, and they have a setup like we have, it's completely stationary, like it can never go do anything else. But we've made conscious decisions, and we'll do the same when we upgrade this sound system, that every bit of that can be pulled out and taken out to do things in the community as well. And we've done that. Uh, We've provided uh, recording uh, equipment for the big West High School show a few years ago. Uh, We've done park parties. Uh, We've done uh, park concerts and shared the gospel. We've set up location in other places to lead worship, and we take our gear with us to someplace that isn't as well-equipped as we are. And so there's this underlying uh, character that we have that says, yes, we know it's a lot of money, we know that maybe it's not uh, necessary for what we do, but we try to use them as tools to expand what we do. And we never just think about ourselves. Christ Community Church has always been a church that is thinking about the community, about ways that we can, we can connect with people that are outside of this a regular group of believers that comes together and worships together. You know, you demonstrated that a few weeks ago with uh, the service city, and, and we've done several of those where we come on that Sunday and we have service projects that we either go out in the community or do and do. Or we had some things even that you could do here in the auditorium, but, you know, put together packets and, and care kits and winter gear baskets, and those went away to someone else. It wasn't about us. I don't know how many boxes we got left. We got we started with 90, right? So there's 26 boxes left here. I have no doubt that some more of them are going to disappear this morning. If you haven't had a chance to pick up an Operation Christmas Child shoebox, uh, do that. But we continually do things both like this and like this that aren't about us. We will be able to take advantage of them and enjoy the benefit of them, but they're not about us. And what is it that's underneath of all that? It's wanting to share the message of Jesus Christ. And so I want to I give you this passage of scripture today and three very short ideas about it that I want you to consider as we go forward. It's John chapter four. We're going to start in verse 31. Right before this conversation happened between Jesus and his disciples, is one of my favorite stories. It's the woman at the well, where uh, the disciples of Jesus have been walking through the countryside, talking to people, teaching, and they come down uh, to this famous well. They're thirsty, they're hungry, they don't have any food, and the disciples go off into the town that's nearby to find some food to bring it back, and Jesus decides to hang out at the well. And... Uh, Probably because it was cool, you I don't know if you've ever been around a traditional stone well, but uh, it's kind of like going into a cave or something like that. You get close to that water and there's some coolness coming from the water and the stones that the water is touching. So Jesus is there. He has this amazing conversation with this woman. I love to tell that story. It is in my top five favorite stories in all of the Bible. But if I do that, I can't get to this other part. So... I would encourage you to go back today, go to John chapter 4. In fact, you can go all the way back to John chapter 3, start there, and read into chapter 4, because all of this is intimately connected. And then you can read what happens right before this. But in a nutshell, Jesus has this conversation. The disciples return with food, and Jesus is sitting there enjoying the aftermath of leading this this woman to the knowledge of salvation. And in verse 31, the disciples say this, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? So, you know, Jesus is saying, I'm getting sustenance from somewhere that you don't know anything about. And they think strictly in human terms, like we might be uh, enticed to do. Uh, you know, did he have a, a spare sandwich in his pocket or something that we didn't know about? Uh, did somebody else come along and, and saw that, you know, he was hungry and had food? And he says this in verse 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, this is some, this is a passage, that particular verse is something I've used at times to, to sort of wipe the people in. And, and not in a bad way. But sometimes we we, especially as ministers and leaders in churches, will get this thing of, I'm not being fed. People will say, a lot of people, listen, and if this was you, I'm not trying to offend you. God bless you for being here in Christ community church. Hopefully God will help you with this. But if you've left the church because you said I'm not getting fed, I have a bone pick. Because one, at some point, if you're a mature Christian, it's your job to feed yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Grant had a song called Fat, Fat Baby, Fat Little Baby, about Christians who just wanted to sit around all the time and drink the milk, the easy stuff of the word, but they didn't want to get into the hard part. And they were all sitting around, you know what babies do? Angela and Rissette, they here. What do babies want to do? Eat all the time. But they don't take care of themselves the word says this right he says Look, by now he says you should be on to the meat but you're still desiring the milk and is right he basically says grow up and what is the meat the meat is certainly to dig into the truths the hard truths the deeper truths of the word but the food of the believer is to serve god And if you find yourself in a circumstance where you say, I'm not getting fed, I'm going to suggest to you two two things. You're not spending enough of your own time in the Bible. And you are not doing the good works that God has planned for you. Because I can testify to this 100%. If I am busy, this last week, we spent hours and hours and hours and we're doing all this stuff. Because I believe it is what God has led us to do. It's been a three year project and we got some more to do and I'm excited about it. And you know what? I, I was here all day, Karen was sick all week, so I'm doing as much around the house as I possibly can. I usually make dinner anyway, because she's over there with the kids at the elementary school all day long, and when she gets home, I want her to come home and, and have dinner and not have to try and help me with that, you know, and I'm trying to keep things cleaned thing up. I spent four hours blowing leaves yesterday, you know. Uh, like this when I got oh my goodness, so old. But I'll tell you what, in here, I was energized. I'm at at play rehearsal from 6 to 9 o'clock every night this past week. Long days. I'm tired. But I'm energized in here. Why? Because I've been doing the work that God has set before me, and I love it. It's fantastic. So if you're feeling like you uh, need to eat, listen, if you're hungry for what God has to offer, you know, I I need to be fed. Get busy doing what God has for you to do. There will be no better food than doing what God has for you. Verse 35, it says, Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Where Christopher's going to school down in Ellensburg, Washington. Uh, We tell we tell people and and Carol, you know this because you know stupid. There's nothing there. There's a university. And cows. And Timothy Hay. If you have a if you have a turtle or a hamster or a guinea pig at home eating Timothy Hay, it probably came from the Ellensburg Valley. When we went down there in September, Karen and I drove all over the countryside because we love to go out and drive and just see what's out there. Cows. Mm -hmm. Love cows. And hay fields. And the hay, many places had already been uh, gathered up into the giant bundles that they do, the big brown bundles, and then some of them were beginning to to put them into bales, put them into these gigantic. Hay barns, right? And the typical way that works in any agricultural society is sometime back in May, they plowed the ground, they sowed the seed, and they did the work of caring for it, praying for rain, putting water out when they could, doing whatever they could, so that in September when we were there... They could be out there running the tractors back and forth and the balers, and the cutting machines and all that day together and put it to market. But that's what Jesus acknowledges. He says, look, it may, you've heard it said, it may, people are going to plant. And then in September, somebody's going to come along and, and, and harvest it. But he says, I'm telling you, open your eyes, look around you, the harvest is ready all around you. But it's even more than that. And when Jesus is talking about the harvest, he's He's speaking metaphorically. He's taken this, this subject of food, right, in, in an agrarian society that depends mostly on uh, agriculture and culture, uh, growing things and, and plant based and all that kind of stuff in the Mediterranean diet. He says, he's taken that conversation about food. I don't need food because I just did what God told me to do and I'm energized and I'm ready for more. He says, in fact, you're so connected to food, you're so much thinking about food. Let me tell you, let me use a food metaphor to tell you how the the kingdom of God works. You would think about, I need four months until I can harvest some food. I'm telling you, there are people around you right now you're standing in the middle of a field right here by this well, this little town over here. This little Samaritan town is a field and it's ready to harvest, not for agriculture, but for the kingdom of God. There are people there who are right to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And all you've got to do is go to work. And then he tells them they're in a different age even. He says in verse 36, he says, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. The first reaper that he talks about is God. God God is ready to reap souls, to gather the harvest into the kingdom of God. He says but you have been invited into the harvest. In fact, So much is happening right now, the fields are so white, that the one who sows is sowing alongside the one who is reaping, and the field is growing so quickly that the sower and the reaper can work together. There's a story in Amos about where miraculously the the vineyards grew, and, and those who were tending the vineyards and growing the vines, and those who were harvesting were working at the same time together. Now, that doesn't happen in a typical agricultural place. You know, if we go out here in the valley, we just all went to the big state fair here a month ago. And we saw all those fruits and vegetables. You know, you walk through the barn and you see all that stuff. And, and it used to be, you know, when you drove down that road, all of that was farmland. You remember that? We drive down there now and there's houses and stuff there. You look down and there'll be half the field will be harvested and the other one's ready to go because they've waited that time and it's time for that to happen. But there isn't anybody out there planting, and there's nothing growing new in September. But Jesus is saying to them, you are living in an incredibly special and powerful time, and that time continues even to this day until the Lord returns. And what that time is, is that God is still sowing the seeds of the kingdom in the hearts of people, and the field is still ready to be harvested, if we will do the work. verse 39, says, many many Samaritans from the town that the woman was from, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony that he told me all I ever did. If you're concerned about your friends, your family, your neighbors, when I say neighbor, I'm using the biblical form of neighbors as well as common form. You know, I have my neighbor, Sean, in a love shop We're good friends. We, we talked yesterday over the misery of gathering leaves in our yards. He's my neighbor. But there's people on the next street over that I don't know who they are. But Jesus tells me in the economy of the kingdom of God, those are still my neighbors. Right? So if you're concerned that your family... Your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors are going to miss life and eternity with Christ. You could do what the Samaritan woman did and tell them your story. When well, we go back to that first point, uh, if you're hungry, for God to do something in your life get busy doing the work that God has for you to be doing. You might say, well, what is the work that God has for me to be doing? Regardless of anything else that you can come up with, I can guarantee you for every single believer, some of the work that he has for us to be doing is to tell others about the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Y'all not quiet this morning. I don't feel a lot of amens coming here. Am I stepping on your toes? Because listen to me, folks. We can do all this cool stuff, and I can go out and interface with the community. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus. I'm going to keep telling people about Christ community church. I'm going to keep trying to push us to do things that that grow our name and the fame of Jesus Christ in Anchorage, Alaska. But guys, I am not enough. And it's not about growing a church. That's a byproduct of us sharing our story. It could grow the church. It might not. Listen, I don't me, Jesus, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. I have never been on a mission to build a big church. If God wants to build a big church he can have at it and I will go with it. I want people to be rescued from the fires of eternal punishment because they didn't encounter the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm willing to use any and every tool that we have available to accomplish that. But I don't want to do it alone. You're here. You have a relationship with Christ because somebody told you. Might have been a preacher like me. In an environment like this. Might have been a family member been like a friend across the country might have been a fellow actor in a break during play. Wherever you are, the fields are planted to harvest, and what the Lord needs are people willing to go into the field of work. The, the easiest thing you can do is tell someone your story. I'll say this, and then I'll be with your If you're hearing me say that, you know, I don't really have a story to tell. Hear me right now. You're not a follower of Christ. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you have a story to tell about how you once were not following Christ. And now you are. And how did that happen? But that's you, you kind of see it Because I'll tell you about Jesus Christ. what He offers to you. So if you're hungry for what God has to offer, get busy doing what God has for you to do. If you're concerned that your family, friends, loved ones, neighbors are going to miss life and eternity with Christ, spend eternity separated from God in a place of eternal torment because God's presence, presence is not anywhere to be found, and it's awful to be separated from the presence of God and tell them their story. And then lastly, verse 42. Uh, verse 41. Many more be- believed because of his word, Jesus' word. Many more believed because of his word, and they said to this woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world important principle. We need to be busy about doing the work that God has for us to do. A, A foundational part of that work for every single believer is sharing their story. But the foundation underneath of that, what truly draws people to Christ is sharing with them the word of God. The word of God is powerful. Sharper than what? Any Two-edged sword. The Word of God. Here's, Here's a big part of it right here. I mean, the Word with a capital W is Jesus. Amen? But God has been so good to give to us the Bible as a way to know him and to understand him and to learn about who he is and what he offers us. If you're confused about that or you're concerned about that, Pick up one of these God questions. There's a great chapter on there, in there. How can I trust that the Bible is the word of God? Grab that. Well, And so here's, here's my final little thing. If you have nothing else, if you've shared what you can share, you've done the work that you can do, and you have nothing else, God's word is always enough. Here's what has to happen. You have to actually know what's in here. Jason and I were were laboring together this last week over what is our next sermon series going to be, and we've been throwing ideas back and forth, and we can't seem to get happy about any of them. We thought we'll do a let's call it expository, which is like verse by verse. First dance on stage. Right? Um, that's terrible. Don't watch that. Cover your eyes. Um, expository preaching, which is like kind of what I've done here, verse by verse, taking each verse in order and and, and expositing on what it says. It's great uh, for teaching to a congregation and learning the Bible. Uh, I know that uh, I had some friends here who came to church recently and said, uh, if you... If you start a series, I think it was on Romans. Right? If you start a series on Romans, you're going to a different church because the church we just came here has been in Romans for three years. Um, <laughs> and I get it. In fact, it's so one of the reasons why I have kind of avoided <laughs> doing Romans. Uh, but we've been talking about Hebrews. Hebrews, I love Hebrews. It's a fantastic book. And it would take us a long time to get through it. But that's okay because God has these themes in there. And, and we're talking about, okay, well, why do we do this? And why do churches do this? Uh, because they're teaching the Word of God. And that's fantastic, and God uses every methodology of preaching, but can I suggest something to you? If you were actually reading your Bible, whatever we're doing here, whether it's topical teaching or expository preaching, verse by verse, you would be ahead of the game. So I think we, we have a, a bit of a crisis in the modern church where people don't actually know what the Bible says because they don't ever actually read it. They come to church and they get a little shot of the Bible. And that's good, but it's not the whole picture. And it would take a generation for us to go through expositorily every verse of the Bible and teach it to you as pastors. And in that time, some of you would move away, get different jobs, somebody would die, somebody would be born. Not only that, but if you go back to the early days of the, the Catholic Church, and then even somewhat today in some arenas, uh, if all you're ever getting is your is from a teacher or from a pastor, Someone else is in control of your biblical knowledge and education. And we can just give you what we want. And maybe, maybe sometimes we're on, we're on a tangent. You're familiar with, you know, there's cults out there, right? Where people take taken portions of this, create something that God didn't intend to exist. and people buy into that and believe that. There's so many reasons why it's important for you to know the word on your own, to read the word on your own. But the greatest reason is because when you're doing the work that God has called you to do, because it feeds you. When you're sharing your story about what Christ has done for you. People ultimately want to know what is the authority for what you're telling them. How do you know this is true? And we can always point back to the story of Jesus and the Bible. All the way from the Old Testament through the New, for God has revealed Himself in Word. Nothing else, at all, human history has done. So that final question
1: that I asked you last
0: week is the same. Can we get the last picture to come up? Yeah, Uh, It's number 8690. It doesn't come up as okay. Because it's short. It's one of the things written underneath this paint. It says the future. The person that wrote that's here, do you remember writing it? Anybody? It was John Lane. John's all the way back then. John, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> John is seventy-eight. You're old, man. It seems so much more in reach now than it used to. I love John. John has been my friend for a long, long time, uh, since I was a kid. But as I was going through pictures this week and thinking about this, I just, that moved me, it touched me. Because John could be one of those guys that says, uh, I hate change. I don't like anything new. What's wrong with the old way? Why don't we just keep doing what we're doing? And guys, I meet with pastors every week that are in churches just like that. John's one of our elders. He's been with us for a long time. And I love that here's John, who could be one of those people. But he sees a project like this at its very beginning. And his vision is towards the future. Not thinking about himself. He's thinking about what's to come. Think about those who will follow him. Those who can be reached that haven't been reached yet. And I know that in personal ways, in financial ways, in prayer, John and Myrna have supported and contributed to the ministry of Christ Community Church from its very beginning, along with many others in the of this room. They're investing and what others see as valuable and have invested in. And I'm not talking about money, all right? We talked to Jimmy about $3,000. It wasn't about the $3,000, it was about the vision, about the possibilities. And so I leave you with this challenge the same thing that I have to let us do. The field is white to harvest. People need to hear your story, they need to hear about Jesus Christ. There are people dying every day, separated from God for each other. Are you investing in you, Christ, in the church, in the kingdom of God? And if not, what can we do? Would you stand with me? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. Father, I pray this morning, I hope you're clearly speaking to hearts about your call to to each of us to be servants, to be laborers in your fields, to go and see and seek out hearts that are that are right to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord give us only opportunities and in equal measure, only courage to be bold witnesses for you at every opportunity you give us. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible blessings on Christ's the church. In Jesus' name.